0: God bless you, my friend. Love you too. Good morning, Sojourn. I hope you're doing well. I love all of you. This is my favorite church in Texas and probably the whole... Well, I shouldn't say that in case people from my home church in Birmingham are hearing this. But let's just say you're in the top two churches in America that are my favorite churches. You guys are the best. I really mean that with all my heart. You guys have been on track since the founding of this church. Literally, you are blessed with phenomenal leadership uh, through the years with Pastor Terry and Susan, and now with Pastor Chris and Vanessa a solid church. Everything you guys are doing is right. I'm in touch with a lot of mega churches across the country. You know what they're trying to do? Trying to figure out how to be smaller churches because they recognize mega churches don't lead to the fellowship, the relationship, the discipleship that's necessary during this time of COVID and everything else. And so, um you've been on the right track. Great size good fellowship, good training, good discipleship, wise stewardship, so that through the seven good years, God will carry you through any difficult years. So I could not be more blessed to be here to see all of you. Thank you for supporting me and all the mission work I do, and the other missionaries you support too. You guys are strategic in the missionaries and the places that they go, and so don't stop keep being faithful please we've never had a more desperate time in the world where we need the church to rise up okay we're going to talk about that but first let's put this up here first we'll laugh a little bit oh Uh -oh. (laughs) uh-oh I get to see my bald spot every time I come (laughs) when I turn around I collect signs you know I've showed you some signs Um, here's some from a place in Colorado where they put up these cool signs in front of the community center maybe broccoli doesn't like you either (laughs) I relate to that one somebody's therapist knows all about you (laughs) that's the truth Good moms let you lick the beaters. Great moms turn them off first. (laughs) Last Monday's apathy group meeting has been canceled. (laughs) Uh, There's a Mexican restaurant in Austin. Uh, Procrastinators unite tomorrow. (laughs) Or not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Eat me now. Too late. Avocados. (laughs) Uh, That's what my avocados do. I never get them just right. Uh, Drinking coffee in the morning helps others live longer. (laughs) That's me. Before coffee, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anybody. And they'll live longer if I have coffee first. Uh, Prophecy class canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) Okay, you guys. Um, There's a great quote, F. Scott Fitzgerald. He said, the test of a first rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. Listen, you guys, I want to tell you things are hopeless in the world and in our country. We are past the point of no return. We need Jesus more than ever because he is able to turn it around, the whole world. World and our country and get us on the right course. And so no matter how dark it is, Christ's light is brighter. He pierces the darkness and we can have confidence in him. So I wanna inspire you uh, to have the kind of faith that's not just blind, that looks straight into the face of the giant and says, who are you uncircumcised Philistine to raise your fist against the armies of the living God? Faith doesn't mean we ignore the problems, faith means we look at them, we see how big they are, but we say our God is bigger and he will intervene on our behalf, right? So let me tell you, we're in bad shape, I'm not gonna focus a lot on it because you probably get it on the news enough. But it's even worse than the news tells us, right? One of the latest books by one of our top historians from Stanford and uh, uh, out in Harvard, Uh, doom, the politics of catastrophe. Neil Ferguson, great guy. He talks about how um, people use these seasons of doom, like the pandemic, to advance their ungodly agendas. That's what's happening. Look at what's happening, you guys. Just last week, China overtook America as the largest economy in the world. So we're in decline, you guys, because of a lack of morality in our country. Politics won't save our country. Nothing will save our country but Jesus, because our problem is moral root rot under the foundation of the whole building and just putting new people in institutions won't fix the foundation. We need a moral reawakening in America to get us back on the right course, because we're going down. China overtook us as the world's top economy. Senior U.S. general warns China's military progress is stunning and U.S. is hampered by brutal bureaucracy. China, a month or so ago, launched a hypersonic missile that actually stunned our scientists, our best ones. They can't figure out how the Chinese did it. They can deliver a nuke in like eight minutes anywhere in the world and it can avoid every every tracking and destruction system, right? And they're far ahead of us right now militarily. In fact, uh, one of our top generals said, China's hypersonic missile test, one of the largest shifts in global strategic geostrategic power. It signaled the shift to China as a major power and rival to us. I could go on and on. China's Navy, now the world's largest. Gonna do this quickly because we're gonna focus on the positive. US military, marginally able to defend America's vital interests because we're training our military not in how to use weapons, but all about gender and many other issues. The Chinese and Russian generals are reading books on global strategy. Our military leaders are reading books on gender and social issues. And this is our problem, (laughs) one of our problems. You know, I could go on and on. All of this, dangerous flashpoint. Right now over Taiwan, be watching and praying for that. Bad news coming, Uh, Pentagon rattled by Chinese military push on multiple fronts. Uh, So we've got challenges, big giants, but I know God's bigger. Look at this, mathematicians say China rises as world's STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, leader while American schools place diversity first. We're not training in the basics and this is part of our problem. And so a moral reawakening to fix all of our social problems and all of our political problems and to strengthen our country is the only hope and Jesus can do it. Uh, starting to be a problem. Biden scrambles to stop Iran's increasingly dangerous nuclear program after when he came into office, he reversed President Trump's policies towards Iran that allowed them to start rebuilding their nuclear problem. It took them all this time to recognize, oh, that's a problem. I guess we shouldn't have done that. So you guys, challenges in the world, okay? So I've read over a 1,000 books on international relations, the rise and fall of civilizations. Everyone says America is going to collapse, no way to stop it. You know, and China will rise, America will decline. Everyone says that of these books. However, you know, I have a scripture over top of it I'll show you. Right above that, there's a scripture that every morning when I walk and pray, I read that scripture, it's over, all of them. It's actually Luke 18, it says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Every book says America can't survive. Every book says China's rising. But I know what is impossible with man is possible with God. We can rebuild the moral foundations of our country. And we can once again lead the world in spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's been the biggest thing in history is the American mission force all through the years has been the most potent force to spread the gospel. And I believe God wants us to do it again. Every Superpower goes through seven phases in their lifespan. Outburst, conquer, conquest, commerce, affluence, intellect, decadence, collapse. This is what it looked like for us. We broke onto the scene in 1776. Conquest, World War I, the first time we exerted military power. Commerce, 1945, we're the only economy left standing. We got very wealthy as a result uh, after World War II one and two then that leads to affluence from the 50s onwards we got rich built suburbs that leads to the next stage intellect where your academics and intellectuals lose their mind and start teaching things like there's 107 genders and many other things, see? But this pattern has happened all through 5,000 years of history with the 26 superpower before us and their average lifespan was 238 years. They go through these seven phases. We are now 244 years, we're about what? six years past our expiration date, you know? So then decadence, 85 to 2001, where there's moral decay, the collapse of families, divorce, drugs, everything else, your school system breaking down, and then comes collapse. We're due for collapse, but Jesus can stop it, and we can once again take our place in this critical season in history to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Okay, you guys, let me just tell you quickly, Two things, I want you to be praying because the greatest legacy of America is going to be we have, um, we have lived out a biblical worldview we're not a perfect country we have problems but our founders founded our country on the judeo-christian ethic founded it on the bible and there's been no country on earth that has lived as closely to what the bible describes as america and we've also been as a result of that the largest sender of missionaries in the world too bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth including during the great depression there's a uh, Um, I wonder if you have a camera that can... No, you probably can't. During the Great Depression, you guys, there's a a mission organization uh, called the U.S. Center for World Missions, and they were building an auditorium for prayer and everything and to inspire world missions, and they had no money. You know what they did during the Great Depression? They raised money for one board at a time. We need one board. It's going to cost this much. Will you give so we can buy one board to put it on the wall. And they just like uh, eating an elephant, you know, one bite sized bit at a time. They'd raise money even in the depression to build this, mot- called the John R. Mott Auditorium that literally had, was the place that American missions was launched out of, right? And so even in dark times, that's who we are as a country. Even when times are dark, even when we're under hardship, we pray, we give, we go, right? And we've got to, to re energize that spirit. So let me tell you because of my desire to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, and I'll tell you where we're at in a few minutes, I want us to all be praying for America. I want to explain two cycles we're in right now. I've explained others in the past, the geopolitical cycle. But in America, we have an 80 year American institutional cycle and a 50 year American socioeconomic cycle. If you map it out, um, if you map it out, the blue ones are the institutional cycle and the orange ones are the socioeconomic. What happens is every 80 years we redo our government because what happens is your government becomes, as the country progresses and grows, your government systems don't work anymore. So you have to reinvent them, okay? And then every 50 years, because of the way our economy works, we redo our social economic structure. You can see all through our history, when those cycles hit the wall, the end of the 80 years, the end of the 50 years, they've never happened at the same time. So the shock of it was easy for the country to absorb. But for the first time in our history, both of those cycles are hitting the wall at the same time. That's never happened before, both the government dysfunction and the social economic. So right now, let me tell you how the government's being reinvented. Pack the Supreme Court, get rid of the electoral college, make two more states, and I could go on and on and on, Uh, federalizing elections, right? So our government is being reshaped right now in a radical way by people who I do not believe have a biblical worldview. How is it being restructured, our socioeconomic system? The last time uh, we hit this is when we started to implement the welfare system we have now in America, right? Which has actually now done some good, but also lots of devastation, right? When we implemented that, well, how are we, what are we doing socially and economically? Lockdowns, shutdowns, you know, small business collapsing, massive government spending beyond what we could ever pay back, stimulus checks to get people used to sitting at home. You know, thank God that the government, that there was that there, but I believe it was a government inspired problem problem from the first place. So well, I don't wanna get into that. I just wanna tell you what's happening. So it's making people dependent on the government. You know what it used to be when we heard the term cradle to grave? you know, government supplying our needs, cradle to grave. That used to be a bad term. Everyone looked at that negatively. Do you know what the reconciliation bill they're trying to pass in Congress right now is? You know what the title is? Cradle to grave benefits. It's now looked at as a good thing that the government becomes, the maternalistic government becomes a nanny to us and get us dependent on that. They're trying to restructure the economy that way, right? So you guys, we have got to pray for our country because if our country goes down, it's going to radically, dramatically affect global missions and we don't want that to happen, okay? And I believe this, what's impossible with men is possible with God. Our only hope is the church of Jesus. It's you guys, faithful and true like you are, continuing to do the work day after day, plot on, plot on, plot on, coming to church, working, you know, tithing, you know, supporting missions, discipling, training, teaching. You guys are tops in my book, okay? You guys, I believe the pandemic, COVID-19, is more transformational for the world than the collapse of communism, because what that book, Doom the Politics of Catastrophe is all about is how politicians globally use things like the pandemic to reshape the world, right? Even, it's even more deep and long lasting than the collapse of communism. So guess what? You guys, we have to reshape the church too. I believe we need to do what all those globalists, secularists are trying to do, They're trying to reshape the whole world. We need to reshape the church to be lean, mean, ready to go, a fighting army in the middle of this to rise up and take on the giants, you know, just like the Israelites did and secure the land, right? So it's time for us to be uh, proactive and courageous. Okay, you know what the founding, there was a founding covenant for our country. When the British landed in 1607, An Anglican priest was on board. He got it. The first thing they did when they got off at the beach at Cape Henry in Virginia, they took down the mast of the ship, formed it into a cross, planted it in the beach, and that's the first thing they did. And then this Anglican priest, Robert Hunt, said this. He prayed this. We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise up godly generations after us and with these generations take the kingdom of God to the whole earth. May this covenant of dedication remain to all generations as long as this earth remains and may this land along with England be evangelist to the world. And then he said, may all who see this cross remember what we have done here and may those who come here to inhabit after us Join us in this covenant, in this most noble work, that the Holy Scriptures may be fulfilled. That was the original dedication of this country. And you guys, we need to follow in line with what uh, Robert Hunt prayed. We need to reassert this original dedicating covenant in our country today. You know, that's what Psalm 2 says. Ask me, I'll make the nations, your inheritance, the ends of the world, earth, your possession. God wants us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's our destiny. God said in Jeremiah, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, build and plant. It's the purpose of America, you guys. We've got a big thing to fight for. It's not just so we can have a better life. It's so that all the unreached Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists can get the life-giving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to worship him in eternity forever. That's what we're fighting for. Not just our country. We're fighting for the 3.2 billion unreached, okay? Now, I believe Christ will build his church. Here's where we're at. 7.84 7.84 billion people in the world, 3.28 are unreached, don't have the gospel. That's 41% of the world's population, 1,600 languages that have no Bible yet. Okay, so that's the task ahead of us. Let me tell you, and mostly they live in the 1040, you're very familiar with, the 1040 window in that part of the world, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists. Now, you guys, before the pandemic, we were on track to reach those 3.8 to eight billion by the year 2035. Get the gospel to every one of them by 2035. We're on track for that, but the pandemic has knocked us off course. All missionaries have been kicked out of all countries because of the pandemic, and missionaries haven't been able to go back to the field. Global evangelization is down 30 to 40% from what it was before the pandemic. So we, we still, I believe if we have total dependency on God, reach that goal of reaching all of them by 2035, okay? We were on track to translate the Bible into the 1600 languages, by 2033, the 2,000 year anniversary of the resurrection, right? We're going to say, Jesus, here's a gift. Every people on earth has the Bible in their language, right? I believe we can still do it with God's help if we rise up like David against Goliath. And we have to have be people of faith. So who do we need to be? Number one, people of faith. I love that song. Uh, Even when I don't see it, he's working that we sang. We have to be people of faith. Even when we don't see God working, he is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to rise up in faith. What do we need to do to do that? We've got to get rid of fear. Most of our country is caught up in the grips of fear. They're, most of them are unbelievers. This life is all they think they have. So they're freaked out about a virus that as horrible as it is, is killing less people than just about any pandemic ever in history. Just to be honest, right? Because they want to preserve this life, you know. Masks, you know, three vaccinations, boosters, uh, go on and on, right? They're in fear over this virus. They're in fear over the economy. They're in fear over so many things. We need to be people who press into God, let his love envelop us, because perfect love casts out all fear. We need to have faith. We need to let our faith drive fear out of our lives. I'll tell you you guys I was on the verge of death for two months got COVID many of you prayed for me thank you it's a living miracle four doctors from November 3rd to December 27th four doctors told me you are going to die we can't believe they wouldn't admit me to the hospital they said you're terminal we're saving a bed for someone who could live right two months I all I could do was just barely get another breath and pray Romans 8:11. If that same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us, he will give life to our mortal bodies and raise us up. I could pray that. That's all I could do. Thank you for your prayers. All of my doctors, I have four doctors, three doctors who were treating me. All of them said, you're a miracle. No one that had the x-ray you had the first day you came in is alive today. You're the only one in the whole country. It's because of the prayers of the saints. Thank you. So, but you know what? I wasn't afraid that whole time because I was like, just like Paul, Ah, is it better to go be with Jesus or to stay here? I don't know, Jesus is up to you, right? So we've got to get rid of fear, you guys, and not be driven by it in our lives. Okay, and get on with our lives. The next thing we need to do, we need to press into God. If we're gonna have victory in this dark season over the giants, we need to have faith. We need to get rid of fear. And the way we do that is by pressing into God. Paul, I mean, God said to David, seek my face. And David said, my heart said to you, my face, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Most of us seeking God's face means spending time with him to understand who he is, his nature, his character, his ways, to understand why he does the things he does. I wanna tell you most Christians don't have this kind of relationship with God. They don't. They have this kind. Instead of seeking people God's face, they seek his hand, what he can do for them, their needs, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of just saying, God, I want to just be with you. I want to know who you are. I want to understand your character, your ways, your nature, what you want to do. And I care about you, God. I want to know you. See, Moses understood God's ways, why he did what he did, but only the Israelites only understood God's actions because they weren't seeking his face. We need water, we need meat. What are we doing out here? We should be back in Egypt, right? So we've got to be people who seek the face of God to know God for who he is, faithful, true, dependable, provider, healer, So we've gotta be spending time to seek his face. Oh my gosh, and if we don't seek the face of God, we will be in fear, and we'll be seeking his hand only. I need next month's rent, you know, we need to get groceries, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what, God will provide, but you're living a Christian life that, let's just say there's a higher way to live. So, I want to, and that higher way is what empowers us and gets rid of fear so that we're like those people back in the Depression who built a major auditorium that launched global missions out of America, one board at a time, because they knew who God was and they were committed, right? So, listen, so we need a revival. I'll tell you in 44 seconds uh, one of the things I'm up to. You guys, I want to give you hope. We've been building, God called me to lead, uh, build and lead what we're calling the Great Awakening Project. Right now, you guys, we have 150 major Christian leaders in all seven mountains who've been working together for a year to put together a plan for what what would revival look like in government? What would it look like in education? What would it look like in economics? And we're going to present this plan in a pastor's conference this coming spring to tens of thousands of pastors in America and say, we're here to stand alongside you and your church to see uh, America awakening. So we're working for uh, a uh, a revival and awakening. How many people? I'm going to go a little bit over just a little bit. We need to see 30% of America radically in touch with God seeking his face not only his hand living holy and pure repenting of sin you know and just focused on God 30 percent that's a hundred million believers we're not there we're not there but that's what we're believing for and working towards and I believe God's going to enable us to do that I don't have time to tell you that come back to the next service Cool people like uh, Daniel Kalenda, Christ for All Nations, Reinhard Bonnke's protege, Mike Biggle from IHOP, Dick Eastman, Every Home for Christ, Matt Lockett, Justice House of Prayer, Generation Next, Ron Luce, Mark Gonzalez of the Hispanic Action Network. I could go on and on. Cool people, 150 of the top leaders working to plan for revival in America. We cannot start a fire revival, but we can pile up all the wood for a bonfire. That's what we can do by our work. Pile up the wood, then the Holy Spirit can light it, and that's what we're believing for. Okay? Okay, you guys, another cool thing happening because God in this dark time is launching an all out assault. A Luis Bush. Here's a meeting in Colorado Springs in October, 165 top leaders from 45 nations. You know what we launched, Louise Bush and Doris, who I work with in the 82,000 movement. You guys, you're on the adventure with me through 82,000. This church was, we're having a second adventure, the Billion Soul Harvest. We are going for a billion souls globally by the year 2030. And the whole church globally is uniting to see this happen. Our God is able, you guys, to turn around the darkness and really, um, really uh, see our country turn back to God and missions go to the ends of the earth. I'm going to just end with this scripture and then, oops, no, not that one. (laughs) And second. Second service, I'll have this edited down. The first service is always practice, just telling you. Sorry, <laughs> it is. Okay, Second Chronicles twenty twelve. You know, this is what the Israelites prayed out when this massive army was coming against them. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is our hope, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, all of the people of the world saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, living in his blessing. That's what we need to fix our eyes on, you guys. Thank you for being a radical part of missions thrust through all the years. This is our time to go faster, farther, deeper, not slow down or get in fear. God bless you all.